Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas starts a new series, Lost and Found, where we'll look at different stories that Jesus told about things that were lost and then found again. We look at Luke 15 verses 1 through 7 this week with the parable of the lost sheep, and Dallas talks about how we can relate to the lost sheep. Jesus is our shepherd who goes to great lengths to find us, and he notices us when we wander. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning once again, guys. We are starting a new series. Look at those little sheep up there. Look at those cute little sheep. Uh, They're what? Funny? Oh, yes. There are three little sheep up there. And uh, the new series is called Lost and Found. So we're going to be talking about things or people that are lost and the finding of them or how how they are found. In fact, for the next three weeks, we're going to be doing that uh, from just one chapter of the Bible, and it happens to be in the book of Luke. It is Luke chapter 15. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, it'll show up on the screen in a minute when we get there. But uh, funny enough, we didn't plan for this to happen, but Luke 15, remember we are in the CBR journal. We're going, for the next couple weeks, we are going to be uh, continuing through the book of Luke. And so this week, at some point, your CBR journal and what we're talking about in here on Sunday mornings are going to come together. That's kind of fun, and especially fun when it's like, I think God kind of did that. God kind of planned that. So this series, again, is all about things or people being lost and them being found. And so here's a, a question that I want to throw out to you guys. It's a question that, that resonates with me and my household. Uh, are there things that you or maybe your family regularly loses or mis- misplaces? Okay, maybe that's the, the better term. Does anybody have something, uh, just by show of hands, we're not going to call out and, and give answers, but does anybody have things that you regularly lose in your house, right? Maybe, maybe in your house this is a familiar one where your parents are always asking, where are my keys? Right, they're trying to find their keys, and now so much so that people have little, uh, little like GPS trackers for their keys, or little hey, push this button and your keys will beep and yell at you to tell you where they are. Right? Somebody's made a bunch of money off of people who lose their their keys all the time, uh, or maybe for you, it's it's losing your phone or losing your your tablet or something. You you just misplace it, you can't find it, and you're going all throughout the house trying to figure out where it is. Even taking your brother or sister by the collar and saying, "Hey, give me my phone. I know you have it." Right? Because you just feel like a piece of me is gone. Uh, I, something near and dear to me is missing with your with your phone if you have that or your tablet. Or maybe it's it's uh, a piece of clothing, right? And you guys have like a favorite shirt. Or maybe you got like a favorite hat or beanie or you might have our, our favorite socks even a thing. Is that a, is that a real thing? But but you you cannot find your your woolly favorite socks that keep your little feetsies so warm, right? Or or your favorite shirt and you're looking, you're like going into the laundry room, you're looking behind the 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 washer, the dryer, you're going into the pipes, you're sticking your hand up there, and you're like, is it possible that my shirt could get up in this thing? Uh, and, uh, and and of course, I mean, I guess maybe it's possible, but uh, typically you don't find it there, right? You find it under all of the other clothes in your room uh, that you just hadn't decided to go through the stinky pile. Uh, What about this one? This is the one that's probably the most common in my house is losing the TV remote. Does anybody else lose the TV remote like all the time? Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're going between the cushions, right? That's normally the first place I look. And so you take your hand and you're like, go through the, the cushion crack, if you will. And you're trying to see, is it, is it, behind, is it in the back? Is it, is it on the side? Uh, you know, you're looking, yeah, you're looking underneath the couch. You're looking underneath the chair, right? You're looking high and low. And at least for me, 
The answer is always just ask my wife, just ask Brittany, and she knows where it is, right? Not because she's hiding it from me. Although, if we're being honest, right, it, when you're looking for something, whether it's your clothes or uh, like a tablet or phone or whatever, or, or the remote, when you find it, how many of you are like me? And there's a little bit of you like, who put this here, right? And, and it could be in the most obscure place, but you're like, someone is messing with me, right? Somebody put this here. They knew the trouble I'd go through to find this. And you're like, you're like ready to blame, maybe even ready to, to fight uh, the person who did this to you, right? Even though the reality is it was you, you put it there probably, right? But, but maybe some of you, kind of like our, our stories that we're about to get into in Luke 15, maybe there's more rejoicing when you find that thing. <gasps> I found the remote, right? I can watch, watch my favorite show or, or pull up a YouTube video or whatever. So sometimes we lose things, right? We, we lose uh, physical things. Sometimes it's, it's that we uh, are lost ourselves, right? How many of you have ever been lost? Just by show of hands, you, you've ever been lost. Maybe on a road trip or maybe in a store or something like that, right? Maybe at a, a theme park, maybe you got lost from your family. The circus, JJ, <laughs> that explains a lot about you. JJ got lost with the clowns, and now <laughs> he will forever be a clown. So I, I don't know if you guys can relate to this. Sometimes we get lost because we just we don't know where we're going, right? Other times we get lost because like we, we make ourselves get lost because it kind of becomes fun, funny, a game, right? Uh, there are certain, certain stores. Yeah, well, let's call it hide and seek. That's a nice way to put it. Just, just with our, ourselves being the ones hiding and our parents being the ones seeking. I don't know how many of you can relate to this, but you know how in Walmart or Target, because it, Target's really fancy, how there's, there's clothes in those stores, correct? And, and there's these nice, I guess you'd call it a rack, like a circular rack of clothes. And they they decide to put clothing all the way around the rack. And, you know, but there's no clothing in the middle of the rack. I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I mean, I'm five foot two. I'm a little broader than I used to be, right? Like, I'm not as tiny. I think I still could fit in one of these. But especially when I was seven or eight or maybe like you, a, a 13 or 14-year-old, one of the funnest things when we were shopping with our parents, right, is to hide in the middle of the, those clothing racks. Has anybody ever done that? Anybody ever gone in there? Okay, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now, have any of you ever done that and stayed in there so long that your parents got extremely mad with you, right? Extremely upset, right? Like punishment is coming, uh, some sort of taking away of things or grounding, right? I can remember being like seven, eight, I mean, maybe nine, maybe 19, and, and going to the store with my mom. And I always told my mom, don't take me to the store. Like, my favorite show's about to come on, okay? At that time, it was this thing called Dragon Ball Z. And I, I, like, had to see the newest episode. But my mom would always take me to Walmart, right? And so I knew that I could get her and have a little fun in the process. So I'd crawl myself into the, or really just all I had to do is walk into those clothing racks, right? And you stand on that little crossbar in the middle, and you're just sitting there, <laughs> right, kind of silently giggling, laughing to yourself, you know. And then what, what starts to happen? If you stay there long enough, because right now mom's just kind of looking at stuff, but eventually it's like, uh, Dallas, right? Or Dallas, right? Uh, what, where are you, son? And she, she calls my name out and I'm just sitting there, <laughs> right? This is really fun. It is, it's, it's hide and go seek, as somebody said over here. And you're just waiting and eventually you hear like mom's going away, Dallas, Right? You can hear her getting further and further away. She's not so close anymore. And then you start to hear, D -D Dallas, right? She's getting real nervous because, honestly, as a dad now, I, I understand where that's coming from. Like, what? There's so many things that could have happened to your baby. But 
in the meantime, I'm sitting there in the clothes. Oh, this is going to be good, right? And eventually, like, I think, I think it got so bad, you know, my mom's got to bring people in, like Walmart security or whatever, like, hey, we got to find my son. And eventually when she found me, you know, I was like, oh, mom, wasn't that such a good, a good game of hide-and-go-seek or whatever I would have said? No, son. When we get home, like, your dad is going to have it out with you. And that ended up being really uh, sad for me in the end. But, you know, I tried to tell my mom, hey, in Luke 15, when something was lost and then it was found, there was rejoicing and not punishment, which is what we're going to see in just a minute. But, you know, it's a little bit different when your mom's trying to find you and you're hiding like that. So I, I don't know if you've ever been lost like that. Maybe you put yourself in that lost situation or you, you just found, like, kind of looked up one day and you're like, wait, where, where am I? But we, we lose things physically. Like, sometimes we ourselves are physically lost and hopefully not for long. Hopefully you're found. Uh, but there's, there's kind of a deeper sense of lostness that we're talking about over the next few weeks. And it's, it's a spiritual being of lost, right? It's, it's a spiritual lostness. Like you're, you're trapped or, or maybe you just wake up one day and you're like, how, how did I get here to where maybe it's, it's the sense for you of no hope or a sense of loneliness or, or maybe it's this big picture lostness that we all struggle with, which is being lost in our sin, being lost in our sin. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the reality that we are, are all lost. But there is, is someone, there is one who, who is seeking after us, who is, is looking for us, who is going out of his way to, to find us, and that those who are lost can be found by him. So let's, let's jump into Luke chapter 15. We're going to read today just verses 1 through 7, not too much. And uh, this is just at a time where Jesus is talking to a group of people, as he normally did. People were following him around everywhere he went. They wanted to hear from him. They wanted to maybe see him uh, heal somebody or just perform some kind of miracle. They, everybody was interested in being around, being near Jesus. And the two uh, groups that we, we see here this morning are, one of them was the Pharisees and the scribes, They're the religious leaders of the day, people who thought they had it all together, like they, they stood up straight, they were very proud of themselves, they knew, I've done all the right things to be made right with God, at least in their mind, that's how it worked with their relationship with God. And not only did they feel right about themselves, but they looked down on everybody who wasn't a part of them. That would be the second group of people in this passage, which is the sinner's the, the tax collectors, right? People who were, were doing things that the Pharisees would never be, well, at least never be caught doing, not to say that they weren't actually doing some of it themselves. But th- these would have been people who would have been the outcasts of society, these sinners, these tax collectors. And Jesus is, is in the midst of both of these groups of people. And that's where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 15. We're gonna read verses one and two, kind of stop for a minute, and then we'll, we'll finish the rest. So verse one, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, that is to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, those religious people, they grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them, right? So they're grumbling about that. So what, what's happening here? The, the sinners, these outcasts, for some reason, Luke tells us they're drawing near. They want to hear Jesus. They want to be close to him. They want to be with him. And in some sense, they were doing that physically, right? They were coming to see, coming to hear from Jesus. But there's even a deeper sense here where, where Luke, Luke seems to not just be saying like, hey, they're doing it physically, but they're, they're, they're sensing that they're lost. They're sensing that there's a need and they're sensing that Jesus 
is somebody who maybe he can fill that need. Maybe he can, he can do something about that sense of being lost, that sense of needing healing. They were spiritually drawing near to Jesus as well. Maybe this is a guy with, with some answers. And meanwhile, the Pharisees, the guys who thought that they had it all together, the reality is that they, they did not. But they, they see this. They see that people are attracted to Jesus. And they see in some ways that, that it's almost like Jesus is, like he's kind of there for those people. He's like attracted to those people in some ways. Instead of like, why would Jesus not come hang out with the religious people? Why would he not come hang out with the people who have it all together, who are right? And the Pharisees, the scribes, these, these guys are, are grumbling about it. Like, what in the world? Who does, who does he think he is? Why would he associate with those people? Again, the Pharisees and scribes looked down on all of these people. In fact, one of the things they called them is, instead of being like people of God or, you know, God's, God's chosen or God's children, they considered all of those people who were less than them, they called them the people of the land. The people of the land. Like, you guys are just, you're just people of the land, Right? And yet, for some reason, those people are the ones who seem to be closest to Jesus and that, at least in some ways, Jesus seems to be drawing close to as well. So with this in mind, the the Pharisees and scribes, they're grumbling. They're like, why would Jesus associate with these people? Why would he do these things with these people? Why would he not be with us? That's where Jesus steps in. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three stories or parables that, that Jesus tells this group of people. And so the first one we're going to talk about this morning is oftentimes called the parable of the lost sheep. And a parable, just so you know, is, is a story, a story that's uh, not true, but has some relatable elements to it. And ultimately, it's a story told to illustrate a big truth about who God is, who we are, uh, and, and really what the kingdom of God is all about. That's what a parable is. A parable is a story that most likely did not happen, but gives us a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. So Jesus gives us a parable. Verse three, so he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Let's stop right there. So Jesus gets into this this story and he tells them something or, or starts talking about something that they all could have related to. Sheep and losing a sheep, right? Kind of like we started this morning talking about things that we lose, like we all can relate to having lost something. And while pretty much all of us in this room can't relate to having lost a sheep, these people would have at least been able to wrap their minds around it a little bit better than we can. And Jesus says, hey, if, if you have a hundred sheep, right? Sheep were uh, made for, for wool. They, they use them for wool. They would sell them for money. They would uh, sometimes eat them, right? Like sheep had all kinds of different uses back in, the, in these days and still today, just far more to them uh, personally than, than to us maybe. But if you have a hundred sheep, these important animals, and you lose one, which person here is not gonna go in search of, like do everything they can to find that sheep? And the thought is that everyone who's listening would have been able to say, well, of course, like, that's, that's an important sheep. It's one of my, my sheepies, right? My little sheeps. And I need to go, go find that sheep. E- even if, here's a picture of where the sheep might have been lost, right? And, and the people would have known. Show us, show us this picture of the, the wilderness. I mean, imagine if little Sean the sheep is lost in this, in this wilderness here, right? Little Sean. Poor Sean. But if, if Sean is lost, if little sheepy's lost, 
And, and it's only one of them. Who, who wouldn't leave the 99 to go, to go find him? And Sean could be anywhere. He could have rolled off one of these hills. <laughs> Why is that funny to picture a sheep rolling? But it is. Or, or he could have gotten one of his four little leg paw things, like hoof. Is it a hoof? I don't know. Stuck, stuck him in, in the rocks. Uh, sheep were, were known for, like, if, if he did kind of roll, he could have fallen on his back, and they can't really get up off their back. Or maybe he's just, like, chilling in the wilderness, just waiting, right? Just chewing on something and just waiting. But, but Jesus is saying, who's not going to go? And even if they know that they would have to traverse this wilderness, even if they knew they'd have to walk a while or, or, or you know, send out a search party or whatever, like who wouldn't put forth the effort to find one of these sheep? And the thought is that all of these people would have done it, right? They all would have said, yeah, of course we would. Jesus says, verse 5, and when he has found it, when you find the sheep, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing, right? The opposite of what my mom did when she found me in the clothing rag those couple times, right? Rejoicing that, that the shepherd goes out, finds the sheep, and when they find it, here's what they don't do, right? They don't say, my goodness, you little sheep, and they just wrap his legs up and they drag him back by a rope, right? That would be terrible, <laughs> You found the sheep in good condition, and when you get him back, he's like, he's missing a bunch of wool on his back or something, right? He's got wilderness burn or I don't know. But no, what, what they would do when they found the sheep is they would, they would take little Sean, flip him over on his back, or if his leg's caught, well, let's, let's get your leg un, unstuck, buddy, or, or if he's just chilling there. E- either way, and then the shepherd would take little, little sheepy and put him gently, graciously, compassionately on his back. And sheep can weigh up to like 100 pounds, guys. I mean, this isn't necessarily like, oh, sweet, cuddly, little five-pound, you know, eight-ounce baby sheepy. It, but it's, it was probably a big old sheep. And yet the shepherd is excited. They're rejoicing. This, this is what, what they work so hard for, to keep these sheep in good order, to keep these sheep in good health. They rejoice when they find the sheep. And most of the people probably would have been like, well, I mean, that's a lot of work to find one sheep, but yeah, I, th- I think I'd be excited to find it too, right? So they rejoice when they find the sheep and they carry it on their back no matter how far they've come and they return. Uh, verse six, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. That's kind of a weird concept to us, right? I mean, what if every time we lost the remote, we call our, our friends, hey, I found it, right? We got, we got Netflix or Disney Plus back. I can change the channel um, or I could, I could actually mess with the volume, right? Or I can hit my brother or sister with this remote again. I mean, imagine if you were rejoicing like that every time you found something that was lost. But the value that was in these sheep was a big deal. And they probably would have told people, you know, maybe, hey, I'm probably going to be late for dinner. I got to go out and find the sheep. It's really important. They would, they would celebrate. Now, when, when I was reading through this, I, I kind of started thinking, my, my son, he's about to play uh, t-ball, right? He's about to play t-ball in the fall. And I don't know if you know what t-ball is, but there's a little t and you put the little ball on it and the kid swings the bat at it. They can never strike out, right? Pretty perfect game for a five-year-old or a three-year-old like my son or... I mean, maybe I need to play t-ball, right? I can never strike out. And if you've ever been to a t-ball game with little kids who pretty much have no idea what baseball is, uh, when, when they hit it, right, kid, kid hits the ball and it goes into the outfield. Let's just say this kid gets lucky. He gets a good bounce, okay? All the kids, if they're on the bases or if they're out in a field with a glove, here's what a lot of times they'll do. Every kid beelines for that ball, right? Like they go for that ball. Everybody's left the bases now. Little Billy's running around the bases. <laughs> Nobody can get me because everybody on the other team's getting the ball, right? 
And if you're really lucky, you see when the one kid picks up the ball, we got it, right? Like all the kids are excited. All the kids are rejoicing. They have no idea what's going on, but they've, they've got this baseball, right? That They've been, you know, sort of keeping their eyes on when they weren't picking dandelions. But, but that, that's kind of what it's like. Like everybody gathers around. Everybody's excited that this sheep is, is back, right? Now, maybe you're like uh, the people who are listening. You're like, so wh- what does this have to do with me? Like, why, why are you telling this story, uh, Jesus? Why are you telling this, this parable of the lost sheep? And this is where like, okay, everybody can relate to this. And then Jesus kind of gives them the right hook, right? And here's what he says. Remember, the Pharisees are struggling why does Jesus hang out with sinners? Why does he associate with these, these people? Jesus in verse 7 says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. Remember we said the Pharisees thought they had it all together, thought that they were right, thought that they were righteous. More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance or think they need no repentance. Jesus says, as much joy and rejoicing as there is when you find one of those lost sheep in the story, there is more joy in heaven. And by the way, heaven is full of joy all the time, just period, right? Joy everywhere, rejoicing all the time. But when one sinner repents, in some unfathomable way, there is partying and rejoicing more so in heaven more joy in the halls of heaven, more rejoicing, more excitement. That doesn't, that doesn't make, I don't even know what it means that there's joy all the time because at least in my life, my life is not joy and happiness and rainbows and, and unicorns all the time, right? But maybe there's unicorns in heaven. I don't know, but, but there's joy all the time in heaven. And when one person turns to Jesus, it's like overflowing with that, an explosion of that in the heavens, more, more joy in heaven when one person repents, when one person is saved, when one person turns to Jesus. What does that word repent mean? It, it does mean, it means that, that somebody who is lost sees their lostness, turns away from their lostness. Here's what this means. When they, they recognize I'm a sinner, that I sin, that I go against God's ways, that I choose my own way, my own way of life. And they stop doing that and they turn to Jesus, and they say, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, you are my savior, you are my good shepherd. When someone believes in Jesus like that, there's a party in heaven. More so than the t-ball boys, more so than the sheep folks, the shepherds, there's a party in heaven, man. That's amazing. So what does, this, what does this mean for us? Here's the, the truth. We are this little sheep. We are the lost sheep. Whether you realize it right now or not, maybe, maybe at some point in the past you realize, yeah, I am that sheep. I am a sinner. I am lost. Or maybe you'll realize that a couple years from now. Wow, I really am lost. I really am a sinner. I really don't have it all together like I thought I did. And Jesus is the shepherd. He's the one who goes to great lengths to reach that sheep, to reach you and I, to find that which has been lost. Jesus notices you. Because you might say like, but, but when he finds me, like there's not gonna be a big party like that, right? Just little old me. 
Or maybe you think, I don't know, I mean, that sheep never really did anything because he's just a sheep, right? But like, I've done some pretty bad stuff. I've said some things, I've been through some stuff. Why would Jesus come after me? But that's why he came. He came for you and for me. He noticed that we were trapped, that we were flipped on our back, that we were lost in the wilderness and that we needed saving. He noticed that we could not find our way home on our own. He noticed that we were this little sheep. And so he came and died on the cross for your sins and for my sins to make a way that we could be saved, to make a way that, that we could go home to, to our flock to our little sheeps. So if you're sitting out there and, and you realize, or you're starting to realize, maybe I really am that sheep. Maybe I am lost. What do you do? Well, when Jesus came to that sheep, here's what I want you to notice. Jesus, or the, the shepherd, when the shepherd comes to the sheep, how does, how does the shepherd get him home? Does he say, like, hey, uh, just, you know, come, I'll show you the way and we'll go over here. I mean, kind of, but not really. He, he actually just, he says, hey, let me take you home, right? Like the shepherd actually does all the things that the sheep needs to get home. He flips him over on his back because the sheep can't do it on his own. He gets himself, get, he gets the sheep unstuck because the sheep can't do it on his own. He literally carries the sheep on his back because the sheep can't do it on its own. The shepherd does all the work for the saving of the sheep. And Jesus does all the work for your saving and for my saving. So if you're the sheep, if you're realizing I really am lost, here's what I encourage you to do. Surrender to the good shepherd. Don't fight while he tries to push you on your feet, right? Don't gather more rocks and stick them around your leg to keep yourself trapped. Because sometimes we do that, whether you realize it or not. Don't run away with your little sheep legs, right? I could get farther away from you. But we do that. Surrender to the shepherd. Surrender to Jesus. You are lost. You are a sinner. We need saving. We need saving. If you've already been saved by the shepherd, you're like, well, man, Jesus, like when I, when I was six or seven, I, I did realize that I needed Jesus and I, and I have been saved by him. Or maybe it's really recent. Like for me, I, I, uh, the shepherd came to me, Jesus came to me when I was 14, when I was in eighth grade, right in some of your shoes. And maybe that happened really recently for you. So what do, what do we do with this story? Well, I think that sometimes the shepherd probably had to call in a little bit of backup, right? Like, hey, let's get a search party out. Let's, let's go to great lengths. Let's do all that we need to do to get that sheep back home. So what if God wants to use you or me in the life of somebody else to bring them home? What if he wants to use you as a vessel to, to share the good news? Hey, a shepherd is coming for you. A shepherd is coming to save you. You're lost. You need saving. The good shepherd is on his way. What if he wants to use you to do that? Who comes to your mind for some people who might be that little sheep right now in need of saving? I know there's people on both sides of that in this room. Here's what I want to remind you of, leave you with, is that Jesus does see you right where you're at. Maybe you have actually been saved, and now you're, you're, you feel like, maybe I'm kind of lost again, like I'm wondering. I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing right now, or uh, maybe you're just stuck in sin. 
the, the good shepherd hasn't left you. He still sees you. He still sees you stuck. He still is there for you to, to, to pull you out of whatever you're, you're, you now find yourself in. He's with you. He notices you. He sees what you're going through. And he wants to save you. So won't you surrender to him? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for setting our example, for leading the way, for giving us stories like the story of the lost sheep to see ourselves in it. That you, you came for the lost. You didn't come for people who thought they had it all together. You came for the sick, not for the people who thought they were completely healthy. You came for the sinner, not for, for the Pharisee who says in his heart that he doesn't need you. Help us to surrender to you this week, God. And may we be used in some way, shape, or form to to walk alongside you and see other sheep be saved by you, the good shepherd. We love you. It's in your sweet name we pray. Amen.